That was amazing. I realised that the difference between those people who succeed and those who haven't yet isn't that those who succeed don't have fear. It's that they have fear and they just do it anyway. Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Led You Here, a conversation with global leaders about their journey and personal take on how to carve out new competitive positions in markets that are getting faster, more competitive, and less predictable every day. I'm Steve Vamos, the CEO of Zero, and your host for today's conversation with Jules Lund, founder of the trailblazing social influence platform Tribe. I've spent over 40 years in the technology industry, and I've seen how success or failure of any business is often dependent on a leader's ability to manage the consequences of change and overcome one of the biggest barriers to change, and that's fear and uncertainty. That's the center of gravity for these discussions. Hearing the perspectives of CEOs, founders, and entrepreneurs who've led change, made sacrifices, overcome doubt, and demonstrated true belief in their ideas. And importantly, we talk to them about how they instill that belief in others who back them and work with them. Today, it's great to welcome Jules Lund, a leader well-known in Australia, based on a long and accomplished career in television, and now in the world of social media and influencer marketing. His company, Tribe, is a legitimate disruptor, which entered the realm of influencer marketing with a different idea, rejecting the traditional focus on reach to concentrate on the power of deeper engagement available through micro-influencers and their smaller but tighter followings. And the results speak for themselves. Since its debut in 2014, Tribe has facilitated nearly 12,000 discrete campaigns across nearly 7,000 brands and 60,000 content creators generating more than a million pieces of branded content. Tribe has over 70 employees across their offices in New York, London, Melbourne, Sydney, and the Philippines. Jules, welcome and thanks for making the time to share your story with our audience today. My pleasure, Steve. I am a big fan of yours and what Zero's been doing and, and had a bit of activity over the years, and so it's great to finally connect. For those of you who don't know, before Tribe, you hosted some of the most popular TV and radio shows in Australia including 10 years hosting the Logies Red Carpet and traveling the globe as a reporter for Getaway, which is a phenomenal travel program. How did you uh, land this amazing career at a very young age? You started out in media at 23. Look, I was, uh, I was an opportunist, but I, I also had a really unbelievable adolescence as a teenager. I was involved in a program called the Reach Foundation, which was born out of Victoria, and it was created by a couple of blokes in their late 20s who were just really enlightened. One was Jim Steins, who was an AFL footballer and Brownlow medalist, and the other one was a film director. And both of them had been working with teenagers and trying to you know, encourage and bring out greatness within these kids. And the first workshop they ran was mine uh, at my school. And I tried to sabotage it because I was pretty close to getting booted out of school. They sort of called me out of the crowd and basically saying, you know, who are you? I think I gave them a few different fake names and everyone was laughing. And then, you know, the teacher was about to kick me out and it was this big moment. You know, he said, because what's really interesting is there's something in you, you know, you, you actually got the power to be able to lead a group of this size, which is pretty impressive. But where are you leading them? And that was enough. It made me think. I turned up to that course to their surprise and um, that was 25 years ago, having been one of the, the teenagers at the Reach Foundation, I then started to become a facilitator and, you know, talk to these kids, you know, might be 300 teenagers and say, what do you want to do with your life? And, you know, often they'd say, what do you want to do? You know, what's your vision? And I'd sort of close my eyes and describe exactly what I, what I wanted to do, which was I wanted to work in TV. 
And so, you know, often they would say, well, you better go out and do it yourself, you know, walk the talk. And so I did. And so with that self-belief of having such a positive environment, some great mentors, I really sort of set my sights as high as I could. And at that point, it was the dream gig. It was getaway, traveling the globe, business class, getting paid a heap in my early 20s. I thought, mate, there's nothing better. So I, uh, I tackled that opportunity to the ground eventually, and um, I had some great adventures. That's an awesome uh, background to so many things. I mean, first of all, what a gift Jim Steins passed on to you and others. And also your point about belief. I've always said that belief is the currency of business because before any money flows, belief has to flow. Mm. So that sense of belief that you you picked up from Jim and Reach clearly uh, has carried on in everything you've done. What was interesting at the time when I said I wanted to be the getaway host, I was hosting an event and I realized that the difference between those people who succeed and those who haven't yet isn't that those who succeed don't have fear. It's that they have fear and they just do it anyway. Successful career in television, and then you decide to change path, to do something different. Talk a little bit about you know, what inspired you to do that. I've always felt, because of great mentors, that life was an adventure and that you didn't have to follow anyone else's path. You could just create your own. When I went from TV to radio, a lot of my ideas were quite visual because I'd obviously seen it through that lens and they can't see you on radio. So a lot of the producers would block my ideas and go, go and invest all that creative visual OCD into the social media platform. So this was like 2010, 2011. You know, with the help of a really young, cool team, we managed to build the most engaged Facebook brand page in the country for a moment. And then because of that, a lot of the Brands and media agencies were asking Southern Cross Stereo, the radio network, how did we build this asset that sat at the top of the leaderboard? And I was hosting with Fifi Box at the time, and it was a national radio show. But what we we discovered was that online and in our social portfolio, we we almost had a bigger brand because it was global. And a lot of people weren't actually listeners of the show. They were just fans of our content. And so I started to realize, God, there's a depth of relationship here in social that I think is being underestimated. Obviously, at that stage, a lot of brands weren't really comfortable in social. They certainly didn't have digital or social teams. And so I started to consult to the brands and media agencies. And then influencer marketing started to garner a bit of attention. I was inundated with sponsored post requests, like from brands like Nike or Jetstar or Barocca. I started to do these sponsored post requests, but it would take months to sell one piece of content, which was really simple. So I just conceived of a workflow solution. I thought there's far more talented content creators than me out there that are already doing great things in social media. How can I surface those so that brands can enter their conversations, their trusted audiences, and actually unlock a lot of this incredible social content, which was really one of the big insights at the time. And so I've spent the last eight years obsessed about one belief that I I see that the world's advertising creative, everything from the pics and clips we see in social ads to display to even, you know, Westfield shopping screens or TV websites, all of that content should be generated by the very consumers it's designed to engage. Who better to create content that customers love than they themselves? So I've just been building a I suppose, a network that unlocks that creativity because brands are in desperate need of branded content for their digital channels, especially mobile phones. Yeah, having a look at Tribe and the interaction that you've created between brands and the creative people out there that love those brands, it's phenomenal. 
kind of, in a way, you go, wow, yeah, that makes so much sense because you're really taking a lot of the friction out of the whole process of connecting a business to someone who can really engage with them and help them with whatever message they're trying to get across. From a zero perspective, you know, we focus on small business a lot. And I'm sure that there are small businesses that are benefiting tremendously from that as well, because in the past, you had to have the big bucks to show up to a significant provider to get help. The platform really helps small businesses as well. Is that played out in experience? Absolutely. If you don't mind, I'll go macro for a moment and just talk about advertising and some of the shifts that we're seeing at the moment. So it's only been about 100 years that storytelling has been broadcast, like one to many. Before that, it was all about smaller tribes, like theatre shows and storytelling across you know, campfires. TV and radio has only been around, it's a tiny blip in the historical graph. So what social media has done is it's just returned it back to normal, except instead of sitting over a campfire, you're able to connect with like-minded people who love whatever it is through social, like you connect with tribes. And social media and Google and Facebook allow you to target precise audiences with precise messaging. With technology, we've solved the distribution of ads, but not the creation of ads. So if I now need hundreds and hundreds, like a fire hose of branded content and it never stops, where's all that content going to come from? Now, if I go back to the existing creative solutions and I go back to a creative agency or a freelance photographer or, you know, stock image libraries, they cannot alone deal with the demands of the modern marketer. We've got a problem, right? Brands and the social media platforms are going, come and spend with us. And all they're doing is getting a TV ad and trying to put it, make it vertical and shove it in there. And it doesn't work. What they need. Now, if you were sitting there going, I need to engage social audiences. Well, who are the experts? And the experts are well proven. The people that have accumulated tens of thousands of followers, like strangers, right, that follow their account just to consume their social content. It's so engaging. People who don't even know them want to follow their account. And those were influential creators. Now, what we discovered early on was, unfortunately, we just couldn't understand what influential creators were. So we just thought that they were celebrities in social. And so the first wave was tacky Kardashian wannabes, right? But the reality, what I discovered really early on when I was like building that the marketplace was it's actually everyday people. Rather than spend five grand on a celebrity, you could get 25 people that have 5,000 followers, not 5 million And you can reach with an aggregate the same amount of audience, far higher engagement, the smaller the tribe. But what you have, rather than having some bachelorette, you know, getting paid five grand because, you know, she's got two million followers of which were not grown from creating post after post over thousands of posts, you've actually got these everyday mums and dads and college students that are amazing and engaging and you can have 25 pieces of their content at the same price and then you can use that content to put in your own advertising. And so, as I say, if you look at the three tectonic plates, one of them is brands have never needed advertising collateral more in their life that is suits mobile phones and they have nowhere to get it from. And in the same breath, it's the first time in history their own customers, everyday people, have the tech in smartphones and the talent that they can generate and their phones are full of billions of magazine quality billboard size clips. So what we're just trying to do is go, right, 
don't think of a creative agency, think of your own followers. So in terms of what you are, Steve, in terms of zero and small businesses, forget tribe. If you're a small business, you have customers, right? And those customers are buying stuff off you and probably coming back for more. And they like you. So get them to say that. And just get them to say it in their camera and then cut it together and put it in an ad. There's an authenticity, an opportunity right now, and everything exists for you to take control of that. The technology exists, the distribution exists, and the customers exist. As you said, TV ads and all that was so expensive. Small businesses couldn't do that. They had classifieds. Now you can scale up spending $50 a week and just scale it up when it resonates. Well, that's beautifully explained in the broadest context, but also very specifically. And when you take a good look at Tribe, there are plenty of small businesses in the creators who are benefiting from being connected to those opportunities. So really exciting stuff. Just changing tack a little bit, Jules, and talking about the process of building a business and surrounding yourself with the right people. And early on, you appointed a CEO, Anthony Sverskis, and I'm really interested in your take on that, building the team, building people around you to take your great ideas to the next level. Look, I think I was 34 at the time, and I reckon two years earlier, I wouldn't have appointed Ant as a CEO because I would have been too immature. Quite honestly, I think by far, he is the most valuable asset in the company. And when I'd raised that first amount of money, I realized and knew deep down that I didn't have the business acumen. I mean, it was a marketing tech company. I'd never studied marketing. I didn't know a lot about technology and never run a company. Now, I knew I could figure out the first two and surround myself with smart people. I knew what my superpowers were. And I needed someone who was far smarter than me enter Anthony Sverskis, right? It was me and him. And he had known me from, you know, the entertainment industry. And we sat across this boardroom table. I didn't know what to ask him. He didn't know what to ask me. And I effectively just handed over the keys to my business and said, you're my new boss. And I meant it. It doesn't come without its own ego challenges because I'm a controlling guy right? Like I'm a perfectionist, but I knew the only way to work was to leap a faith and give them full trust. Now, it was miraculous, but like an arranged marriage, you know, that is awkward at at the start, we fell in love (laughs) in a business sense. (laughs) And, you know, I think when I walk away from this whole adventure, I think that will be probably one of the great benefits and lessons and experiences to be able to work alongside someone who is so different to me, but yet we connect on the true essence of what we're trying to achieve and on work ethic. Over the years, I've watched him evolve in front of my eyes and it's been extraordinary. But more recently, I suppose from a a company point of view, I've started to extract a different reward from it because I can't keep only thinking that the outcome is a reward. I needed to be the journey and many people have come and gone over the last eight years and we would have worked with over 400 people around the globe. We're in, you know, five cities across the globe in the US and UK and and Philippines and Sydney, Melbourne. But, you know, people move on after four years and they're in tears because what it's meant to them. And I can't tell you how much my lens has shifted knowing that I'm able to build a platform 
where people can grow, you'd be the same at zero. You know, when someone says that was an incredible chapter of my life and when someone says they're leaving, I'm like, go. Like, you know, even after two and a half years, I'm like, keep growing because that's exactly, that's in my DNA, right? Like keep growing. If you hit a ceiling here and we can't give you further opportunities, just go and test it out and throw life at the wall and see how much sticks. But, you know, it's exactly what I wanted in those Reach early days, which was Reach was a platform where we had a safe space to take risks and mentors. And even though I'm not, I certainly ain't changing the world and doing the great work that they're doing, although I will go back to that once I pull my head out of my ass and I'm in the entrepreneurial space, I'll do social enterprise. But I do really love that. I've transformed as a leader and I've transformed as a leader because I've got really critical and honest feedback from people saying I'm failing at times, but I love feeling the reward of people going, thank you to Tribe. I'm now leaving far more valuable than I arrived. Well, you've just really talked about how purpose-driven you really are in the heart of hearts and your journey with Tribe has just reinforced that because that is the ultimate reward. You know, in my travels, when I meet zero customers and partners, now, we have a purpose to make life better for people in small business. When they actually tell you that, it has made that difference. There's nothing better. It really is special to be able to say that's what you're about and have that reinforced by those you work with and support. So I must say, what does Zero do better than most other companies, especially in your sector, is that you do influencer marketing better than any. Now, when I talk about influencer marketing, you go out there and teams go out there and find these people that are your customers and put it on camera and share it. Like that is advertising. And if it's not advertising, it bloody well should be, right? Because the years of hiring models and actors to talk about your key messages, like if you don't have customers saying those out to you, then you're not, what are you promoting? And so that is what I mean. You know, your customers are happy with your product, just surface and amplify. And that's what influencer marketing is. It's influential customers. It's not influencers who are good actors or that have an audience or it's just that in its simplicity. And what I particularly love is as we talk about the advertising industry and what, you know, and it's now called creator marketing because influencer marketing was tainted by Fire Festival and influencers and fake followers and all that, you know, influencer marketing 1.0. Advertising has never been more authentic, right? And that is, if there's one thing that this audience needs to take away is like, do not try to mimic billion-dollar companies. You know, the billion-dollar companies that are emerging as of today are actually ones that are doing exactly what you guys are doing. Like Gymshark is, you know, it was a 19-year-old kid. It's a gymwear brand in the UK. He was 19. He was just making T-shirts in his garage. It's now worth, you know, $1.4 billion based on, influencers or creators, but they weren't celebrities. They were just people that were getting a lot of value out of going to the gym and stuff. Same as beauty brands. They're the ones that are doing the most damage to the incumbents. Wow. Good thoughts. Thank you. Let's move to a little bit of the lighter side of getting to know you as a person and what's important to you beyond the very many important things you've already said. So I'm going to ask you a few quick questions and get you to give me your answers to these. Who is currently a global influencer that you admire? Scott Galloway. So he is a marketing professor in the States and he's got a podcast called Pivot 
and he's got an incredible newsletter and I love the way his brain thinks. He's incredible, well worth looking up. Him and Seth Godin, I really love Seth Godin in the same breath. Seth comes at it from a different angle, but he's probably one of the most innovative marketing minds on the planet and just an innovative thinker. And I just like people that have the courage of their own opinion, can back it up, and I find them incredibly compelling. Sport, favourite sport, sporting team, whatever resonates for you in that domain. Well, funnily enough, I don't follow sport. The only time I followed sport was when Jim was playing. You know, he was playing Melbourne at the time and, you know, he's, I remember going to a lot of his events because he, he still holds the record for the most consecutive games of football ever played, which was 244. Didn't miss a game as Ruck for 12 years. So for those who don't know, Jim's passed away now, but, you know, he left an incredible legacy. And so I used to love supporting him because it made him happy. I still do barrack for Melbourne, but I'm a skydiver now. So I don't follow skydiving per se, but I, I've got my A license and I, I sort of throw myself out of the plane. So that's the closest I get to sport outside of doing a few marathons every now and then. Well, I, I would count that as a very <laughs> serious sport. Well, I'm just endeavor, falling. So. <laughs> I'm falling, Steve. It's not that technical. It takes a lot of courage, a lot of courage. <laughs> But I think just for our, our listeners, Jim Steins was a wonderful Australian football league player for those wondering what football he played. What about destinations you travel to? We'd love to go to either one that you visit all the time or ones maybe that you'd want to go add to the list of places you've been. I often get asked the best place I've been to on Getaway, and that was Kenya and Tanzania. Um, going and, and visiting the Maasai warrior tribes. That's amazing and that still exists today and everyone can go over there and I suggest you do. But I'm most excited about taking my kids on an African safari and going into those areas and meeting. I mean, it's like, it's so primitive. It's like, I'm not into history, but being able to visit living history and look at these and, and their customs and it's just truly mind-blowing. You feel like you've gone back in time but everything that I want to do now, in fact, every reason I'm working is just to take my kids on the sort of adventures I had as a getaway reporter to show them and teach them about the world through travel. I can't think of any more important thing to spend my cash on, of which I don't have a ton in, at the moment after eight years of a startup. But, you know, that stuff, I'd rather live with debt than regret. I'll spend every cent I've got on travel with the kids while they still want to go away with me, which, you know, is a ticking clock. How old are they? They're 12 and nine. Okay. So you've still got, you've got, got a few years ahead of you. Good wanna, age though. Yeah, I want to make the most of them. And we're going to Japan. We did Queenstown mid last year and we're going to Japan in September for a couple of weeks. And, you know, as I say, we just do everything. You know, we spend a bit of money because it's like, kids, you want to go on a glacier in a chopper? Let's do it. You know, I just think that stuff's so important. So when you look ahead and, you know, you're sort of thinking about what next, you know, in terms of tribe, in terms of where you're heading, anything stand out for you in the way that you're looking at the future? Yeah. You know, Jim Stein's, he would often say to me, don't get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. And that was his big lesson. He was addicted to busyness. And it came at the expense, you know, as he said to me, of family time. And he just said, don't make that mistake, Jules. And he knew how ambitious I was. And and look, to be honest, I have probably bitten off more than I can chew, but I've been really trying to understand what are the true values and what, what is important. 
And I suppose it's funny in a way that it comes back to that, you know, that the fisherman and the businessman. Do you know that story, Steve? I don't. I don't. Oh, it's sort of yeah. like the businessman's down on the beach, you know, and he looks up and a fisherman comes in on this small boat with, you know, like three massive fish. And he goes, God, look at that. How long were you out there for? And he goes, oh, 25 minutes. 25 minutes to catch all that fish. Man, why don't you spend the rest of the day out there, catch more? And he goes, no, nah, I've got enough. He goes, what are you going to do the rest of the day? And I said, oh, look, I'll probably go back home, you know, play soccer with my kids, hang out with my wife, cook dinner, have some drinks, friends over, dance. And he's like, but man, like literally, if you're catching that with that small boat, you know what you should be doing? I'm a businessman, right? You got to get a boat like that, spend the day, get a lot more fish, and then sell those fish, raise more money, buy a bigger boat, catch more fish. Then what you got to do with that more fish, you got to hire a few people, go out there, have a fleet of boats, and now you're just living pretty. You can just build this little company. And then, you know, before you know it, you can literally just do whatever you want. During the day, the fisherman goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, if you want, you can go home and, you know, spend the afternoon and spend time with your kids and, you know, catch up with your wife and bring your friends over and drinking whenever you want. He goes, what do you think I'm doing now? Like, you know, so often we we literally, we've got what we need and we go all the way around to the point where my kids sometimes say on a Sunday, like, you know, I want to spend time with your dad. And I'm like, I can't, i got to work. Why you got to work? Well, so I can spend more time with you. It's it's just ridiculous. So part of me just is trying to get back to what do I express, you know, that's of value and doesn't take a lot from me? <laughs> I mean, how can I get paid as much for as little effort as possible is basically. And so I want to go back and, and do things that I'm naturally good at. And this, this has been really transformative for me and I'll continue to work over the next few years. But, you know, I'm out of my swim lane. So I'd like to do stuff that comes naturally to me and I want to give back to young people and give them the opportunities that I feel like I've had. So I don't know how that is right now, but I certainly don't want to get so busy making a living that I forget to make that life that Jim sadly hasn't been able to have himself. Hey, Jules, thank you so much for spending the time today. Thanks for sharing so much of you and your journey as a person, as a business leader, as a media personality as well. There have been just so many gems in so many different contexts. So thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it and wish you and your family all the very, very best for the future and also continued success with Tribe. Thanks very much. Thanks so much. I appreciate that, Steve. That was really enjoyable. Appreciate it. Same. Enjoyed it too. Thank you. Thank you.